Hello, I'm Kyle Caldwell, and this is On The Money, a weekly look how to get the best out of your savings and investments. So in this episode, we're going to focus on the key dates for your diary in 2024 in terms of the big personal finance changes. Joining me to discuss what to expect is Interact Investors personal finance editor, Craig Rickman. Now, before we kick off, I wanted to flag that, you know, as we are at the start of a year, most of the personal finance changes and dates for your diary that we're going to discuss are for the first couple of months of this year, having already been previously announced. Now, of course, things can change and throughout the year, other personal finance related events and changes will surely crop up. But at this stage, we're none the wiser as to what they will be. So, Craig, we're in the second week of January, but a couple of big personal finance changes have already taken effect. Do you want to start off by running through those? Will do. Yes. uh, Thank you, Kyle. So yeah, there's a couple of big changes that have happened already. The first is the energy price cap and the second is national insurance. Let's focus on the energy price cap first. So this has been a a huge topic over the past couple of years. And on the 1st of January, the energy price cap rose 5% to £1,928 per year for the average household. And the second part of that is important. So this is a cap on unit prices and not uh, a ceiling on the amount that you will pay. So your actual energy bill might be higher or lower than this figure. So that's the energy price cap. So national insurance on the 6th of January, so Saturday being the main rate of class one national insurance, which is paid by employed workers on earnings between 12,571 and 50,270 was cut from 12% to 10%. So, you know, a fairly sizable cut. So how much extra will this put in your pocket? Well, basic rate taxpayers, so those of you who pay 20% or your top rate of tax is 20%, will save an average of £304 a year, while the average higher rate taxpayer, so those of you who pay 40%, will save 647 While these won't produce massive savings, they will provide a nice little bump to your monthly take-home pay throughout the course of the year. And then we have next coming up in the middle of the month, the latest inflation figures. Now, in the UK, inflation is currently running at um, 3.9%. And, um, you know, time will ultimately tell as to whether um, inflation continues to cool in the months ahead and indeed throughout 2024. Now, I've seen some interesting commentary lately um, pointing out that the Bank of England may be far too pessimistic on where inflation is going. So when the bank announced its November interest rate decision and you know announced that it will hold the base rate at 5.25%, it said that it expects inflation to hit its 2% target by around the end of next year, so 2025. However, I'm increasingly seeing commentary suggesting that the 2% target will be reached far sooner, even within the next couple of months. So um, I saw Bloomberg's economists, they are very optimistic and a lot more optimistic than the Bank of England. So they think that inflation will hit 2% by the spring with interest rate cuts following in May. And they also predict that the bank rate will finish the year at 4%. Now, those predictions that have been made by the Bloomberg economists, they may be too optimistic, but in any case, the consensus is that the next move for interest rates will be down rather than up. And in response to that, we've seen since the start of this year, mortgage rates, they have been falling in response to those expectations that the interest rate cycle has peaked. 
The next day for your diary is the end of January. Craig, do you want to take this one? This is when the uh, deadline for self-assessment forms need to be completed. And indeed, it's for online self-assessment. The paper ones should have been done a, a couple of months ago. Yes. So the, the self-assessment deadline is looming for um, for digital applications. But just first, there's an interesting fact. Around 4,700 people submitted their 22-23 tax return on the 25th of December. So a very productive Christmas day for some people. Can't say that mine was, was that productive. But anyway, if you are yet to submit your tax return for the 22-23 tax year, you have until midnight on the 31st of January. And this is particularly important if you made pension contributions during the tax year in question and you paid either 40 or 45 percent tax and the reason is because unless your pension payments are deducted from PAYE under a net pay arrangement which is where your employer takes your contributions from your pay before it's taxed or through salary sacrifice where you trade a portion of your salary for a pension payment you must claim the extra tax back via self-assessment so this includes those who have made personal contributions to, for your example, your interactive investor SIP uh, in the 22-23 tax year. Let's look at an example of how the tax works on, on pensions. So for example, if, if you're a 40% taxpayer and paid £8,000 into your SIP, you get an immediate 2000 boost from the government in the form of upfront tax relief and you can claim back an extra 2000 pounds through your tax return but you do have to claim hmrc isn't going to reach out to you at any point and say we owe you some money um you have to go and claim it back for them and, it, and it's it's a really important thing to do as hundreds of thousands of people every year are failing to claim back pension tax relief when they could so uh, you know people could be missing out on potentially thousands of pounds of free money We've already spoken about interest rates, but that's the next day for the diary is the 1st of February. So this is when the Bank of England will next announce its interest rate decision. This is one of eight meetings throughout the year. It's always on a Thursday. It's always announced at midday, but it's not the same week each month. Craig, I've already spoken about, you know, other consensus now is that the next move for interest rates is down rather than up. Have you seen any figures or other commentary suggesting you know, where interest rates could get to in 2024? Uh, yes, um, I, I think. I mean, I, I just sort of going back. I, I, you know, I agree. I think we've we've certainly reached a different point of the the sort of interest rate cycle, although it seems kind of inevitable that rates will be kept on hold again at February's meeting. I think the vote split is something to keep an eye on. At the last meeting in December, while six members of the Monetary Policy Committee, the, the rate setters, voted to keep rates on hold, three actually voted to renew rate, rate hikes. Um, and that's despite inflation falling sharply over the past couple of months. So I guess it's what this tells us is the Bank of England is still a bit bit worried about the speed of, of price rises. Um, the bank itself doesn't expect to start cutting interest rates until the second half of the year. Investors have a different view. Um, so investors are pricing that UK interest rates will fall to 4% by the end of 2024, which would mean five cuts of 25 basis points during the course of the year. I mean, there could be fewer cuts if if the bank chose to reduce rates more aggressively. But but it's, it is a kind of a matter of who knows. A, a lot will depend on, on what happens to inflation over, over the coming months. If price rises continue to ease significantly, like we've seen recent, recently, then it's inevitable that rates will, will start to be cut sooner rather than later. Um, but I think still either way, central banks on, on both sides of the Atlantic kind of recognise that they do have a, a tricky balancing act right now. So yeah, we'll kind of wait and see what happens. 
And as well as inflation, Craig, a lot will depend on the performance of the UK economy. By the middle of February, the 15th of February, we'll know how the economy is getting on because that's when the next GDP figures for the period of October to December are announced. And, you know, it was widely predicted last year that, you know, a recession would occur. Those same predictions are now being made for 2024. And the same predictions are being made that the recession will be shallow. It won't be severe. So that might give the Bank of England more breathing room to hold off cutting interest rates and to potentially reduce interest rates when they do decide to reduce at a slower pace. Now, of course, you know, if a recession happens, it's not it's not good news for investors. I think you need to go back to the old investment rule book and ensure that your portfolio is sufficiently diversified. Um, you know, multi-asset funds offer a potential good solution. Also, you may want to think about going more international for equity exposure. Although I haven't said that, the FTSE 100 is very internationally focused. Around three quarters of its earnings come from overseas. So I think it's, I think it's important to do a review of your portfolio if a recession does occur and it does cause volatility for the stock market. But it's also important to not over react to events like a recession you know it's much better to you know stick to your long-term plan you know remind yourself about what your investment objectives are what your goals are what you're seeking to achieve and ultimately make sure that you're comfortable with the amount of risk that you are taking we're now moving on to march and specifically the 6th of march as this is the date of the next budget so this date was announced over the festive period and it did fuel some speculation, didn't it, Craig, that, you know, an earlier than expected general election may take place. Yeah. So, yeah, the spring budget. So it's still a couple of months away, but the rumour mill is already starting to spin. But yeah, as you mentioned, Carl, the date, um, that's a really interesting aspect. Um, it's being held in the first week of March, which is unusual. It's typically held in the second or third week. And the decision to hold it sooner has, yeah, stoked some speculation that the government may opt for an early election. It's no more than speculation at this stage, of course. We have no idea when the government will send us to the polls. But this detail hasn't gone unnoticed. Um, in terms of policy rumours, there are a few. Some of these have spilled over from the autumn statement. So these are rumours that, that didn't materialise at that fiscal event. So the first is inheritance tax or IHT as it's also known. Over the weekend, it was reported that Jeremy Hunt described IHT as pernicious. Uh, so nothing left to the imagination there. And, and such a strong sort of sentiment towards the tax suggests that cuts or reform is a possibility and it, it might be used as, as an election carrot. Um, however, Labour leader Keir Starmer has said he would reverse any cuts to IHT and yeah given that an election is expected to be called this year um, that that sort of perhaps would put any potential policies in jeopardy so that's IHT another policy being mentioned is to cut upfront costs for first-time buyers this would appear part of a ploy to sway younger voters House prices fell uh, last year, but growth over the past couple of decades has made it increasingly difficult for younger people to get a foot on the property ladder. So there are a couple of measures that the government is reportedly considering. The first is a scheme for longer fixed term mortgages, which could ease the requirements for big deposits. So that's the first. The second is to resurrect the help to buy scheme, which you may recall enabled aspiring homeowners to buy their first home with a deposit as low as 5%. However, the scheme closed the new applications on the 31st of October 22 and was kiboshed the year after, um, so in, in March 23. But apparently the government, uh, particularly Michael Gove, the housing minister, is considering giving help to buy a new lease of life. 
it's interesting to hear, Craig, how many predictions are already being made for that um, spring budget. Ultimately, time will tell and we will obviously cover any announcements that are made in more detail on the Interactive Investor website, which is ii.co.uk. Now, moving on into April. So the 5th of April is the end of this tax year. And then the 6th of April, the following day, is the start of a new tax year. Now, in the run-up to tax year end, it's important to bear in mind that there are a couple of allowances that are becoming less generous. So firstly, the dividend allowance, it's being cut from 1,000 to 500 pounds in the new tax year. And the capital gains tax threshold is going down from 6,000 to 3,000 in the new tax year. So both those allowances were a lot more generous in the past. Um, they, they started to be cut from the autumn statement in November 2022. And for a very long time, the capital gains tax allowance was just over £12,000. Now, capital gains tax, this is paid on any gains you make when you sell an asset. So, for example, this could be the profit that you make when you sell a second property. Also, jewellery and art. And for investors, you pay capital gains tax on shares and funds unless they're held in an ISA or a pension, such as a self-invested personal pension, a SIP. So capital gains tax, it's calculated on the gain you make on the sale rather than the, the sale price itself. So that's something to bear in mind. And also, um, there's two different rates of capital gains tax. One's for property and one's for other assets. And how much you pay depends on your tax band. So I think it's very important to check out the rules associated with capital gains tax. Now, for investors that have investments held outside an ISA or a pension, you can prepare in advance for the reduction in capital gains tax allowance by doing something called a bed and ISA. So this involves transferring assets held outside of the ISA into the wrapper so that the future investment growth and income from dividends are sheltered from tax. Craig, bed and ISA, it's something that, you know, if people can do it, they should be doing it, shouldn't they, in the run-up to the end of this tax year? Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a handy trick uh, for investors. So yeah, so what happens with it? So you sell shares outside of, um, or any holdings that you have outside of tax wrappers and you buy them back within your ISA, like you said, so that any future income or growth um, is, is sheltered um, from tax. So as long as your total profit for the year in question remains within the CGT allowance, and you must sort of factor this in with other assets that you've sold. So if you haven't sold anything this year, then you should still be able to use your, your full allowance. So as long as you sell assets or realize a profit within your CGT allowance, then you shouldn't pay any tax. It's, I mean, it's always worth treading carefully. So, you know, doing a few calculations beforehand. But it's, it's particularly important this time around because, like you said, the, the CGT allowance is halving um, to £3,000. So it's going to give you less scope. After April anyway, you'll have less scope to sell money in shares outside of tax wrappers um, and get and make sure that you protect any, uh, any gains from the tax man. So, um, so if there's something that you haven't done this year, then it's worth considering. And even if you used up your, your full ISA allowance for, for this year, it might be worth using your capital gains tax allowance this year, and then you can always reinvest it in your ISA for the following tax year. And another big change that's happening at the start of the new tax year is that there's been various tweaks to the ISA regime. Craig, we spoke about them on a past podcast episode when they were announced, but do you want to 
give a summary to remind listeners what's coming up? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I think it's fair to say that there's sort of sort of several tweaks. Um, no, no massive game changes, but but some 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 changes that are going to um, affect the ISA landscape. So these will, uh, like you say, all come into force from the sixth of April. So the main one is that the government will allow multiple subscriptions to ISAs of the same type. As things stand, you can only take out one of each. So if you've got a stocks and shares ISA with one provider, then you can't then take out a stocks and shares ISA with another provider in the same tax year. But from April, you'll be able to to put your money with as many providers as you like. Um, I guess this means that investors will have less chance of falling foul of the ISA rules. Uh, And to smooth smooth the process here, the government announced that it will allow partial transfers of, of ISA funds. So that's good. Um, I'll do a quick sort of roundup of, of the other changes. So there'll be two new investment options uh, that will be allowable within the uh, Innovative Finance ISA, which are long-term asset funds and also open-ended property funds with extended notice periods. Um, there was also something that was kind of campaigned for before the autumn statement where these were announced, uh, which was the inclusion of certain fractional shares, um, which is good news for some traders. Um, and another is the removal of the requirement to reapply for an existing ISA every year. And the final one was um, is to equalise the account opening age for adult ISAs to age 18. What this really means is that um, the, with a cash ISA at the moment, if you take out a cash ISA before April, the minimum age is 16. But from the 6th of April, this is going to rise to age 18. And also towards the beginning of the new tax year on the 8th of April, that's when the state pension will rise by 8.5%. Craig, do you know when the next calculation for the state pension in 2025 is made or will be made? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the the state pension, as, as many people will be familiar with, has something called the triple lock, which means it operates annually by the highest of three metrics. So these are inflation, average wage increases, and 2.5%. Um, in the past couple of years, the state pension has risen 10.1% and 8.5%, so some really beefy rises. Um, I imagine the increase will almost certainly be lower this time around. But in terms of the, the three metrics, they're not all calculated in the same way. So for inflation, it's the 12-month figure to September. So for the for the 2025 calculation, it will be from September 23 to September of this year, so September 24. That's inflation. The earnings element, however, is determined by wage activity in the three months from May to July of this year. So it's a shorter measured period. By October, we should know which of the three is highest, which then should inform how the the state pension will increase. That said, the government doesn't have to honour the triple lock. In fact, it didn't a couple of years ago. It switched to a double lock and ignored the wage data, as it it said. The government said that it was skewed by workers coming off furlough during the pandemic. But either way, uh, the increase for the or the increases for the 2025 state pension will be announced at this year's autumn statement. So that's when we'll that's when we'll know exactly what's happening for sure. And, you know, it'd be interesting to see whether in the run up to the general election, whether both the Conservative Party and the Labour Party put in their manifestos that they will retain the triple lock going forward. So, Craig, they, those were the dates that I had in my diary. Are there any others that have missed that, you know, potentially later on in the year? So there are um, there are a few. So uh, it's another interesting one from the 1st of April, uh, the national living wage will rise from £10.42 an hour to £11.44 and the policy will be extended to 21 year olds. So it only currently applies to anyone 23 or over. So that's so that's one um, with regards to an election. Um, the, the prime minister hasn't ruled out 
um, a May election, but he said he expects to call one in the second half of the year. Again, you know, who knows what the, the what the prime minister decides to do. Um, so there's there's that's the election. Um, another date to look out for something we've just discussed actually, which is the autumn statement, at which will be held in November. So that's the other set big set piece fiscal event along with uh, the spring budget. The specific date of this will be confirmed nearer the time. I think elsewhere, as has been the case for the past couple of years, the monthly inflation data is something to keep an eye on. As I think you said at the start, it's published the sort of third Wednesday of every month and is a, is a big factor that central banks take into account when, when setting interest rates. So that's more of a series of events than a, than a single one. I guess the same applies to the Bank of England interest rate decision meetings. Um, so the first one of the year, as we said, is the 1st of Feb. Next is the 21st of March, then 9th of May. So there are eight of these staggered throughout the year. But I think as the outcomes of of these meetings have such a big impact on people's savings, investments and, and borrowings, it's really worth keeping an eye on, on what's going on. Alternatively, you could just head to ii.co.uk as we always break down and analyse what inflation and interest rate decisions mean for you and most importantly, your money. Well, there's certainly going to be plenty to keep you busy this year, Craig. Absolutely. My thanks to Craig and thank you for listening to this episode of On The Money. If you enjoyed it, please follow the show in your podcast app and do spread the word by telling a friend about it. And if you get a chance, please leave us a review or a rating in your podcast app too. As ever, you can join the conversation, ask questions and tell us what you want us to talk about via email. Get in touch at otm at ii.co.uk. And in the meantime, you can find more information and practical pointers on how to get the most out of your investments on the Interactive Investor website at ii.co.uk. And I'll see you next week.